Hi and welcome to Malicious Life in collaboration with Cyberism. Today we have a special episode for you, not a Malicious Life episode, but an episode of Hackable, a cybersecurity podcast about all the stuff around us that is, well, hackable. From Wi-Fi to webcams and cars to computers, Hackable exposes the places hackers may hit and explains how they get our information. I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you do, check out hackablepodcast.com for many more episodes from our friends at Hackable. And I haven't forgotten about the second part of the Gozi series that's coming up in the next few days. Promise. Enjoy the episode. A bell has just rung, telling us that it's the end of the day at an American high school sometime in the early 1980s. Kids are streaming out of the school by the dozens when suddenly we notice a girl on a motorbike pulling up directly beside a boy. She seems flirtatious as she chats with him, eventually asking him if he'd like a lift home. Yeah, the boy says smiling and hops onto the back of the girl's bike. As they zip through the suburban streets, they chat about their crappy grades. It's science that they're both currently bombing, and the girl is really worried that if they keep flunking their tests like this, they might both end up in summer school. I don't think so, the boy states calmly. Why not? The girl asks. The boy invites the girl into his house. I'll show you, he says. Once inside, the teenage boy fires up his computer and connects remotely to the school's machine. And there, he's met with a login screen, one that asks for a password. He carefully types the word pencil, and moments later, he's in. It's a password he saw on a piece of paper taped to a desk in the school's office earlier in the day. It's a place he checks frequently, knowing full well that they change their passwords every few weeks to keep their system secure. He then enters his full name, and boom, he's in. He's suddenly presented with a full printout of all of his current grades. And as predicted, he's failing his biology class. His grade there is a solid F. I don't think I deserved an F, the boy laments. Very quickly and very easily, he changes his grade to a C. You can't do that, the girl exclaims. Already done, the boy says sheepishly. And then he shuts down his student records and opens up hers. Now, if you are a true 80s movie connoisseur, you'll know that that, of course, was a scene from perhaps the granddaddy of all hacker movies, the 1983 Matthew Broderick classic War Games. And if you haven't seen it, you really should, not only because it's a great movie, but it's also so much fun to gaze at all of the 1980s tech that the teenage hacker Matthew Broderick uses everything from these massive floppy disks to these amazingly archaic looking old school modems. But what I like about that particular scene and the reason we're talking about it on today's show is the way he hacked into the school's computer. It's not so much that he did it remotely that caught my attention. It's the method that he used that ultimately gave him full access. He stole the school computer's password. Now on this show, we've looked at passwords before. And as a result, my email account, my online banking, my Facebook account, they're all locked down with crazy, complicated passwords that no human being or hopefully even machine could ever guess. 
And you know what else is locked down with a crazy complicated password? My laptop. And I'm not going to tell you what my password is, but what I will tell you is that it's really, really good. I'm very proud of myself for this one. It's a super weird word that you would never, ever guess, which means that if an evil hacker ever got hold of my laptop, all of my files and all of my photos would be safe from their prying eyes. Right? Well, we're about to find out. Welcome to Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. This computer is on the job around the clock in case of attack. Their principal target is you. The design is complete, but will it work? Shake hands with danger. I'm Jeff Siskin, and I'm joined, as always, with cybersecurity expert Bruce Snell. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Jeff. How are you today? I am pretty good. I'm also uh, scared because just in a few minutes, I am going to package my laptop up, which scares me enough because my laptop is my baby. Right. But I'm going to bubble wrap the heck out of it. I'm going to send it to a hacker who lives a couple hours away from me, who has promised to hack into my password protected laptop without me giving him my password. And for, for those of us listening and not seeing the the video that's going on here, I have been shaking my head as the minute <laughs> Jeff started with, I'm packing up my laptop to send to a hacker. I guess I could just, you know, get in my car and see him, but it's it's so cold. That, <laughs> no, I just thought <laughs> you're turning over your laptop to a hacker. I mean, that's, I know, you know, I know. Well, he's promised, to, he's promised to send it back. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, well, it'll maybe come this back. is a horrible just, idea. He may send more with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But before I... Send it off. I am making quadruple sure that uh, <laughs> it is locked down with a password. So, so let's talk about the password, though. What? What? How did you? How did you create the password? <sighs> I, oh, I knew you were going to. So it, it it is it is a a word you could find in the dictionary. Okay. Uh, it has no numbers. It is just letters. Okay. Which I know is not good, but it's, you know, I type it so much that um, it would be super annoying. <laughs> and it might be a password I use for other things. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> I'm being, I'm being honest you, with you, Bruce. Have you listened to any of the episodes that we've done, Jeff? I don't, I don't have the time to listen to them. <laughs> no, I have, I have, of course, I have listened to them. And I... I'm smart about most things. I don't know why I haven't done it with my laptop as well. You know, I think the the reason you haven't, and, and I think the reason a lot of people don't, is because they can you you always consider that you're going to have your laptop with you, that you'll always have it physically in front of you, or that no one's going to have access to it, right? And that's and I think that's a little bit of a danger with with the laptop is that you think it's secure because you're carrying it around, it's always in your bag, but then inevitably, what happens when you leave your bag somewhere or you forget it in the back of a car or somebody steals it out of the back of a car or you wrap it in bubble wrap and send it to a hacker. It feels to me like the password I have on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a four-digit numeric password right. that that opens up my cell phone. It, it's probably not a super hard password to crack, but it it feels like it's truly the least I can do. Right. <clears throat> Which right. feels like I'm doing something. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those, it's keeping honest people honest. And I think that we're going to start seeing fewer passwords being used. By that, I mean, you know, you look at the face ID that is on, you know, the iPhones or my laptop has, you know, touch ID on it. Um, and with, I can also, with your fingerprint? yeah, with my fingerprint. 
And then, you know, it's a kind of a standard thing for, you know, a number of laptops, business laptops in particular. But then also, I mean, it's, it'll work with proximity with my Apple Watch, right? I walk up and it says, oh, you're on the same Wi-Fi network. Uh, you've authenticated into this laptop before. So we'll just unlock it with the Apple Watch that's connected to your phone, that's connected to your whole uh, account. So I feel good about there's help on the way. The future right. is not necessarily password dependent. I want to play you a story, Bruce. Our story producer, Pedro Mendez, got in touch with Jorge Seguera, who whose laptop went missing. He kind of went through some pretty extraordinary steps to get it back. So I want, I want to play that for you now. A few years ago, Jorge Seguera was in Seattle for a tech conference that he was late for. He was late because he was having trouble meeting up with a friend. Turns out they were at two different locations of the same coffee chain. You know which one I'm talking about. After a lot of texting, they finally met up and jumped in a cab to head to the conference. Now, as I was exiting the cab, I went to reach for my laptop bag and it's gone. Panic set in. Jorge sped back to the cafe, but his laptop bag was gone. What was in the laptop bag was my work laptop. And on top of that, I also had my personal laptop in the bag. So double whammy. Jorge reported the theft to the police, assuming he'd never see his laptops again. Fast forward to the next day, and I get a call out of the blue from a local Seattle number. Well, it was good news, but it was nowhere near what I was expecting. The call was from a local computer repair shop. They had one of Jorge's laptops, but wanted him to come down and identify it. Apparently in Seattle, it is a popular scam uh, to steal laptops and then take them down to local PC repair shops and claim, oh my God, I forgot my password. Can you get me in? And the PC repair shop, they're wise to this act now. So they'll go, yeah, sure, but it's going to take, you know, a day or it's going to take a while to get in. In reality, these guys can get into this laptop in minutes. So the repair shop sent the thieves away, telling them to come back the next day to get the laptop. Meanwhile, they easily hacked it and found Jorge's contact info. But they weren't just going to give the laptop back to him. I get down there, and sure enough, they go, is this one yours? I say, oh my God, yes. So they told me that they, there was a policy. They could not turn it over. The police had to come up and turn over the laptop directly to me. So I go, all right, that sounds fair. But there was no policy, and that's not what they were going to do. The computer repair guys had a plan. They knew the thieves would be back to collect the laptop. Meanwhile, Jorge was in the shop to identify it as his. When the cops showed up, they'd be able to nab the thieves in the act. But Jorge didn't know any of this, of course, so he just waited, as he'd been told, and waited and waited. Five hours later, still no cops. Comes closing time and some gentlemen walk into the store and, you know, they were sitting around waiting and I thought nothing of it. And at this point, the guys in the store kind of walked me out. It was then that it dawned on me that those guys that were there waiting in the store were the guys that stole my laptop. This is what the repair shop had been waiting for, for the thieves to show up. It was time to spring their trap, time to call the police. The cops show up, and these guys claimed, oh, no, we had no idea what was going on. The flaw in the plan. 
The thieves denied, of course, knowing anything about the stolen laptop or that they were the ones who brought it in looking for it to be hacked. All the police could do was to try to find some incriminating evidence in the thieves' van. They couldn't find anything in the van. The van was completely clean. Everyone knew these guys were guilty. Jorge knew it. The repair shop knew it. Even the thieves knew it. And even though they were standing right there, the police had no evidence, no way to arrest them. They had to let them go. Jorge was furious. But eventually, he got over it. So the good news is that I got my work laptop back. The bad news is that my uh, personal laptop, which was luckily kind of a little junker, um, never made its way back to me. So that was Jorge Segura telling us the story of how he got uh, at least one of his two laptops back. Uh, but no justice uh, was served. <laughs> So, Bruce, uh, now is the moment of truth mm-hmm. where uh, I am going to go to the post office and uh, wrap up my laptop as soon as I'm uh, wrapped up with you and uh, ship it to Tim Martin, who has, in his evil hacker ways, tells me that despite the fact I have a password protecting my laptop, uh-huh. that that don't matter to him. It he can, uh, he can, he can <laughs> I feel like, do you know how this one's going to end? Is that, is that, what you're, is that your, your smug... I know some tricks. (sighs) Okay, well, I think I'm about to learn some tricks. So uh, (laughs) I will see you on the other side, my friend. All right, perfect. Tim, how are you? I'm doing very good. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm a little scared because you have my my personal laptop. I do. It's uh, it's right here on my desk. Okay. Full of, of, I'm sure, very interesting data of your your inner workings of the amazing life of Jeff Siskin. Well, I'm sure it isn't, but (laughs) but it definitely has has stuff on there um, that, you know, nothing salacious, but stuff that I probably don't want the world seeing. Um, So what, what... what do you do? T- talk me talk me through this. Okay, so step one, uh, we're going to not use the laptop like it's normally used. Because um, okay. that's, that's what you're most of the time expecting with the password. So, safety reasons, we're going to take the battery out. Um, okay. And, and then I'm going to take and out I'm, the I'm looking drive. at Yeah, so I'm looking at what, we, what you're doing because we're doing this over video conference. And, and so you're taking the battery, you're, you flip the laptop over. Yeah, so they all laptops have the big battery bar at, at the back normally. Okay. Uh, kind of back where the, the, the hinge is for the screen, yep. if you still have a hinge laptop screen. I know yep. the future is very strange now. Um, <laughs> got crazy stuff. So I'm just going to pop that guy off just so I don't accidentally electrocute myself. Okay, so you now you've taken the, the battery out of my laptop. Yeah, so next what we're going to do is we're going to take off one of the back panels here using my ultra-complicated hacking tool known as a screwdriver. Okay, looks like just a regular... It is. It is a tiny uh, computer tiny. screwdriver. You know, I don't know if they're specifically for computers, but because they have very tiny screws, uh, okay. easily lost. Yeah. Uh, so I have to be very careful. Remember where I put the screws. So we're going to pop out the uh, the back panel here. Okay. Just going to set that aside, and we've got your hard drive here. And it's tiny. Like it's just. It looks like just a. I want to say deck of cards, but a skinnier deck of cards. So we're just going to pop that guy out okay. of the of the laptop, and now we don't really need the laptop at all anymore. Uh, oh. Okay. It's not useful. What we're going to do is we are going to plug this hard drive into a different computer, my big ugly desktop computer here. Um, so you're you were one you're just you're plugging it in so that it can run on your desktop computer. Right. So I can access it from my desktop computer. Gotcha. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually boot to my regular operating system opposed to the operating system that's on your laptop's hard drive because I don't okay. know the password to that one, but I do know the password to my own operating system, which is key okay. here. And and then once 
you've put my hard drive into your computer. I like, I'm guessing, um, you know, to get anything on that drive, you'll still need to know my password. Is that correct? That's not correct at all, unfortunately. Oh. Your your password is just to log into your own operating system. Okay. Not not to access your files. Your files are not password protected. They are they're just regular files. So can you just browse through this hard drive the same way you would browse through files? Yeah, essentially. It's just like plugging in a really big USB stick at this point. Wow. Okay. So let me let me share my screen here for you and uh, okay. we'll take you on an adventure of your own hard drive. Oh my god. <laughs> Now we log in here into the user section. We go to uh, the username. So you're just you're just browsing. I'm just browsing your computer like it's my computer. And hey, look what's this? Without having to put in the password. Yeah. What do we got on the desktop? We've got. Let's see. We got my personal documents. This is a very personal document. Geez, I sure hope Tim isn't able to see it. Oh, unfortunately, I am. Oh my god. What else do we got here? Ooh, is this a folder that says taxes? This is the good stuff yeah. right here. Jeff Siskin, oh my God! 2017 can, taxes. This is all my tax stuff. Whoa, you're doing very well for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, yes. I should get in the podcast business. I know it's all that mad podcast money. Uh, <laughs> well, I not, appreciate your not, I appreciate your sarcasm. But <laughs> let's see what we got here. So 2017, Jeff Siskin made dollars income tax about, and then oh my God, he only paid the amount of tax. This is crazy, Tim. I think like. <laughs> a couple of things. I guess I'm sort of speechless. Like, like I just, it feels, this is too easy. It is. It is very easy. And, you know, the fact that it's a laptop computer makes it even easier because in the nature of them being very portable, I just swipe it from, you know, your backpack, maybe the back of your car or whatever. If I want to target you specifically, a public figure, get some information on you, possibly blackmail you. Who knows? Maybe I want something for some other reason. Uh, or I'm a really nosy, you know, kid and I want to, you know, steal my sister's laptop, see what's up. Who knows? Well, and this, you also hear about these big cases where, you know, people that work for the government or or corporations who think that they have, you know, huge swaths of public information locked down with a password protected laptop. Mm -hmm. It's this easy. All you have to do is pop the hard drive out, pop it into a computer and you're good to go. Yeah, this is why uh, big security standards require that, you know, if you're in the medical field, you have to follow the HIPAA standards, which like rule number one, if anybody works in the medical field knows, everything has to be encrypted. Everything. So I, I assume you can search this drive just like you can search anything else? Oh, yeah. Could we try something? Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm a little re- even reluctant to say this, but can you type in social security number and see what comes up? Um, we get... It uh, looks like one hit on a tax form uh, from 2016. Oh and there it is. So your social security number is. Oh my God. What, what else, what else can you see, Tim? Uh, we can see basically everything you would see on a normal desktop. We've got, let's check out our pictures section here. Uh, camera roll. Let's see. We'll just change the view here. These look like some uh, rambunctious young lads. Oh my, so you're seeing photos of my kids. And a dog. Which, it's a very my, cute dog. And my dog. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so you're just, you're really able to see everything. I am. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like I knew your password, but I don't need to know. You did. Yeah. So you didn't even have to know my password. I just had to know the, the one very simple trick of plugging your hard drive into oh another my God. computer. It's funny because I've done a bunch of these now and they all amaze me. I think again, 
how easy this is to do uh, is both underwhelming and <laughs> crazy because it just, it feels like, how have I lived my life up until now never thinking that my goofy password on my laptop is protecting nothing? Yeah. So, I mean, the the analogy most of the time that I use for like just leaving your password protected computer without encrypting it is kind of like turnstiles at the subway. Okay. Yeah, there's a security measure there. When you look at it, you know, first thought, yeah, I got to, you know, either use my, uh, you know, uh, subway pass or pay the fee or whatever and then walk through the turnstile and, you know, it does that ka-chink, chink, and only one person can go through at a time, right? Yeah. But anybody who's been in a big city like New York or anywhere with a big subway knows you can just jump over them. <laughs> okay. Right? And, they're, and that's they're what only, you've done? Their only way is tie. Yeah, all I've done is put a little bit of effort, used a little bit of my nerdy upper body strength and uh, jumped over top of this turnstile. And like... You know, in some ways, what you've done today doesn't even seem like a hacking trick. And I guess that, that's what I keep coming back to is how easy it is. Is this, is this common knowledge? Oh, it's very common knowledge, especially in the, in the data forensics field, um, you know, where obviously it comes into play a big time when if I can't access it normally, right? Like if I boot my computer up and it's giving me, you know, that blue screen of death or just a bunch of random symbols, it looks like it's pretty screwed up. And you're like, well, I need my my you know my thesis or whatever important tax documents I have on there. You'll take it to like a, a forensics or a data recovery place, and they'll most of the time just do this. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm gonna have some homework to do. I'm gonna have to uh, <laughs> uh, Bruce Snell, who's our, our our cybersecurity expert. I'm going to enlist Bruce to help me uh, ASAP because <laughs> this this <laughs> this is crazy. Really, I can't. You know, I'm I'm a little bit. I don't even know what to say. It's nuts, nuts, nuts. Yeah, I'm sure sure Bruce can definitely help you. Can you do me a favor, Tim? Yeah. Can you, with all of my uh, reams and reams and reams of bubble wrap, can you get the hard drive back in there, yeah. bubble wrap the heck out of it, and uh, and ship it back to me so I can lock this thing down and so um, people like you can never uh, snoop at my computer again? I, I can definitely do that. I kept all your bubble wrap, mostly because my garbage man told me you can't put that much bubble wrap in one load. <laughs> I'm glad I've <laughs> exceeded the, the bubble wrap quotient at your condo. All yeah. right. Th- th- thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later, Jeff. I'm back with Bruce Snell, cybersecurity expert. That was, uh, I didn't expect that. That was, that was, <laughs> that was it was unexpected. shockingly easy and incredibly eye-opening. Bruce, I want to ask you for tips, and I know you probably have some good ones, but sure. before we do that, I want to try a new thing on the show. Okay. I don't know, I don't know if this will become a thing we do all the time, but it's, it's something that kind of occurred to me. I love podcasts. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I heard recently there's like, you know, half a million podcasts available on the Apple podcast store yeah, right now. that's true. And I never know what to listen to. Mm-hmm. I thought there could be a good opportunity on this show to highlight some of the podcasts that that we like. And the thought is that if you like this podcast, you may also like some other podcasts. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. There's a show that I've been listening to recently called Zigzag. Have you, have you heard the show yet? I have not. I've not heard of this one. I think, I think you'd actually like it. It's hosted by a journalist named Manush Zumarodi. Okay. Manoush and her producer, Jen, have started a new kind of media company. They had cushy jobs in public radio. Uh-huh. They quit those to start a new media company. And it's a media company that is tied to the blockchain and cryptocurrencies. And okay. what they've done, I think, quite brilliantly on the show, and maybe you're well-versed in this already, uh-huh. but they managed to explain what things like the blockchain and cryptocurrencies actually are. Oh, And it's okay. it's they break it down quite brilliantly, and they make it, dramatically captivating and the whole series is done in real time as they are launching this company and as these things are unfolding and and they're basically seeing whether this journalism company 
with a back end based on blockchain and cryptocurrencies hmm. can actually succeed. Interesting. They're now in the second season, and the whole second season is centered around the concept of trust, trust in in their creative partnership, uh-huh. in bigger things like the democratic system and in the media. You should really check it out if you haven't. Again, it's called Zigzag, and as social experiments go, it's fascinating. Yeah, it sounds like good. Awesome. Now, Bruce, uh-huh. questions for you. So, so getting back to my password-protected <laughs> laptop, I didn't expect that. It was crazy easy for Tim to do that. Uh-huh. Bruce, help me out, my friend. What can I do to protect myself? Yeah, so this is, this is one of those really clear-cut cases for the need for encryption. Right? Okay. I know we've talked a little bit about encryption before, but just kind of a, you know, a refresher for you. So encryption basically takes your data. Uh, it can be a file or it can actually be your entire hard drive and runs it through a cryptographic algorithm that makes it so that unless you have a special key to unlock that encryption, you can't read it. It just looks like you know, a jumbled mess uh, to you okay. if you, you would read it. So in this case, if, you know, if, if our friendly hacker took your hard drive out, plugged it into you know, his computer, he wouldn't actually be able to read them. Right. So it would just it would be completely encrypted. And unless he had the decryption key, it would take him tens of thousands of years to try and decrypt that file. I mean, just an absurd amount of time. So so just to get my head around it, you know, I hear those stories of like, you know, the code breakers from the the world wars. Uh Is it kind of like that? Like, like, is that the encryption key? Is it is it a certain almost code, which I know it probably isn't. Is it sort of like and and once, once you know the code, which is sort of the encryption key, you can then translate all this gobbledygook into something that's meaningful? Yeah, I, I think really it, it it is a key, right? It's just basically a way to unlock the data um, because it's it's been cryptographically changed, right? It's been changed okay. by a very complex algorithm um, that unless you have the key to that, you'll never be able to, to un, unbreak it. So how do you get encryption? Well, luckily, most modern operating systems have encryption built in. Um, okay. It is a matter of turning it on. Uh, so for for your Mac, you want to look for File Vault. Uh, for your Windows PC, you want to look for BitLocker. Um, and those can those can you've got varying levels of encryption that you can do. And that's not and that's that's not a standard. Like you have to actually turn that on. It's not a standard setup. It can be memory and processor intensive. Oh, okay. So Apple and and Microsoft will want to leave it off. If you've got an older system, because it may slow things down and then, of course, generate complaints, oh, okay. right? Oh, I, I installed the latest Windows update and it makes my computer slower, yeah. right? So, so it is typically turned off by default. I mean, basically, if you if you look for uh, encryption in you know in your settings or even just do in the search box of your your operating system, it'll typically point you to the right direction. And then once I've got all my files encrypted, do mm-hmm. I have to? do anything to unencrypt them or is it sort of an invisible it's it should be invisible to you right so as soon as okay. you as soon as you log in and you use the password to log in you know it'll assume that you're the appropriate user and decrypt the files for you to use them um, so let me just say this back to you to make sure i have it right uh-huh. I, can, I can go into my operating system and i look for something if i have a windows it's called bitlocker it's called file vault if you have a mac i can enable that and that piece of software in the in the operating system will encrypt all of my files and it'll take a long time to do that but once it's done that as soon as i enter my password on my laptop 
it will do what I thought it would have done before. Right. Where if you don't have that password, you're not getting into any of my files. Right. Right. Absolutely. Ah, okay. As soon as we are done, my friend, <laughs> <laughs> that is what I am doing. Cause, cause it kind of horrifies me that that, that's not the default, but I, I, I'm glad, I'm glad to know that it's, <laughs> that it's possible. At least what I had in my mind as possible is, uh, is actually possible. Yeah. For me. And, uh, uh, thankfully, uh, I have received my laptop back. So, oh, good. You know, so now I can, I can, uh, I can use it again and I will lock it down. I'm, I'm really curious to know what backdoors have been installed on your, <laughs> your laptop. <laughs> Great. Make me feel even <laughs> than I normally do. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it. Thank this. you, Jeff. I'm Jeff Siskind, and you've been listening to Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. If you like our show, the very best thing you could do for us is tell people about it. Tweet it, put it on social media, Facebook, whatever you want. We're hoping to have a bit of a listener drive here, and if you could help us out, I would totally appreciate that. As well, if you want to find out more about password-protected computer hacking or anything else we talked about on today's show, please check out our website, which is at hackablepodcast.com. Dot com. Again, that's hackablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. That's it for this special episode with Hackable Podcast. Check them out at hackablepodcast.com. Malicious Life is produced by PI Media. Thanks again to Cyber Reason for underwriting the podcast. More information at cyberreason.com. Bye-bye. Oh